So welcome to the 2021 season, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, it's going to be an exciting time because it's actually the first full season that myself and Sam Stevenson are going to be doing this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media and sponsored by Audacia Sports. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. The Bears are out of hibernation. The 2021 season is officially here. You know us for your hosts, Hussein Kosho and Sam Stevenson. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Hussein Kosho. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam. Sam, I think a little interesting thing happened last week where you signed on with someone else. Talk about that because congrats on that move. Yeah, so uh, for those who may or may not know, I officially am a part of Bear Report uh, as a part of 24-7 Sports. Uh, I signed on a few days ago. I had a great talk with Zach Pearson. Uh, shout out to you, said for getting me connected. Uh, two pieces already out. If you want to go check them out, check me out on Twitter at Sam. It's been a lot of fun so far. Um, I mean, like today I got the emails from the press conference and like that was a pretty cool moment where like, you know, I was watching it personally on Twitter for the most part, but then to get the transcript of so many of these things was just a, such like a cool moment where it's like, wow, like I'm actually a part of this. So it's, it's, it's a big step in my writing, uh, you know, opportunities and career and uh, excited to get to work, especially with the season officially on the way. Like I, I got to tell you, I'm excited for this year. I'm definitely excited to look. I've been part of the Bear Report for this would actually be my third season. I'm going into year five overall of covering the Bears. And every single year, it gets just so much more interesting. But every single year, Sam, there's a hell of a lot of roster turnover that tends to exist. It just really tends to happen for the Bears. And the biggest piece of turnover this year wasn't just the quarterbacks. It actually came at the weirdest time on Saturday night when nobody expected it. The Bears shipped off Anthony Miller to the Houston Texans for a 2022 fifth round pick. They also gave up a 2022 seventh round pick. So they had a day three pick swap in the process. I mean, what were your thoughts overall thoughts and just overall reaction when you saw Anthony Miller, a player that had been inside the trade rumor mill for so long was finally shipped out? I definitely didn't expect it to happen on a Saturday night. Um, I kind of got to it about an hour late and it was definitely shocking. I didn't, I didn't expect it. Um, I didn't expect it to be the Texans. I I wasn't really sure where, I mean, obviously I think new England was a big name that a lot of people had thrown out there. Um, But I, you know, it was, it was shocking for sure. I mean, Anthony Miller is one of those guys with the potential through the ceiling, but just never has figured it out and hasn't figured it, didn't figure it out with Chicago and the message was clear, like, we're not going to wait around for you to find out. And, and, and a lot of Bears fans, I think, are definitely concerned with the depth at wide receiver position. Me, personally, you shed about a million dollars in cap space, more or less. You move on from a guy who just was a toxic, toxic player in the locker room. Like, that's a big deal, like a guy like Anthony Miller. I mean, he, he had his off. He had his on-field issues, and that, that's a big factor in whether or not you're going to be a part of this Bears future. Because let me tell you something, this Bears future is coming soon with Justin Fields, and Miller wasn't part of the plan there. And, I mean, to go from a seventh-round pick to another fifth-round pick, pace is good in the fifth round. Bilal Nichols, uh, Eddie Jackson, Darnell Mooney. Pace knows his way around that round, and, and he's had a lot of throwaway picks in the seventh. So, Shutting the catch base, getting a better day three pick, and getting rid of a guy who just wasn't going to work out. Good riddance, honestly. Look, I tweeted this, and 
again, you know, I said this. I was just like, if the Bears really believe that it was inconsistent or bad quarterback play, that it was holding Anthony Miller back, odds are they would have looked at Andy Dalton and Justin Fields and said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you one final chance. But it's something that needed to happen because Anthony is a very talented football player, but unfortunately he doesn't have it mentally. And if you don't believe me, just flat, this has been a long time coming, this departure from the Bears, because when you look at the 2019 season, I mean, that game on Sunday night against the Rams, Anthony runs, I think, a 14-yard route when it was supposed to be a 16-yard route. And then a couple weeks earlier against the Raiders in London, and that was actually an away game for the Bears. What does Anthony do? He gets the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which then gives the Raiders great field position. They march down the field and they win the game. And that was a game that the Bears never should have come back in to begin with because from start to finish, they were getting dominated. And then just last year, I mean, there there was a period during the week of the 2020 season where they were prepping for that Saints wildcard playoff game. And Matt Nagy's just like, hey, listen, do not get into trouble. And what did Anthony do? Well, he got into trouble. He said, don't get into any altercations. Well, Anthony got ejected. And then flashback all the way to January or February when George McCaskey's on 670 the score in Chicago. Look, when you are openly saying about a player, hey, his future is for the football guys to decide, and the owner's publicly saying that, that basically means, you know what, Anthony's on his way out because the owner indirectly called him out there. Ultimately, when you look at this, I'm actually kind of happy Anthony Miller's gone because it does give us a glimpse into what the Bears are going to try and do. I mean, Miller at this point, coming out of Memphis about four seasons ago, he was labeled as a guy that was Antonio Brown light. Now, he went to a separation, not necessarily speed. Is he a player that can be a guy that is an impactful slot receiver yeah but at best you're talking about a player that's just an average slot receiver in terms of production only he's going to get is what 50 to 60 receptions a season and that's really a season i don't i never thought anthony because of the attitude issues being a player that was legitimately gonna get 11 to 1200 yards like some bears fans had hoped for and another thing too is like i see all these bears fans being like well well he had a bad quarterbacks and matt Nagy didn't scheme him right then what the heck did Darnell Mooney do last year? Like, come on, guys. At some point, you can't defend the player that long. Like, you got a rookie fifth-round guy out producing you? Like, what is Darnell Mooney doing any differently? Well, he's running his routes correctly. He's not being a toxic player in the in the locker room. He's not trying to, to be this guy that he's not. Anthony Miller walked around like he was a top guy, like he was this hot shot. And, like, he wasn't. He has the potential and I, I wish him luck in Houston. I truly do. I, I, I still remember that wild card weekend last year where I tweeted, if Darnell Mooney isn't good to go, I have high hopes for Anthony Miller. I still believe in this guy. What does he do? He gets an unsportsmanlike conduct. And I subtweeted and said, LOL, never mind. And that's when I gave up on Anthony Miller because this guy just, he thinks he's all of that in a bag of chips and he's not. And that's what's so frustrating is like he had so much potential. I remember his rookie year. He had all these flashes. He was a nice piece alongside Taylor Gabriel and, and Allen Robinson. We had what looked to appear to be a solid wide receiver core and he never figured it out. And listen, you can blame Matt Nagy. You can blame Mitch Trubisky. You can blame Nick Foles. At the end of the day, it's up to that dude, and, and I wish him luck in Houston, but this was the right move. This was the right approach, and the wide receiver position will likely see an overhaul in 2022 regardless. So Anthony Miller just isn't a part of the future picture, and again, the best way I can say this is good riddance. And, and again, credit to the Bears for realizing and recognizing that, you know what, despite the fact that 
Anthony Miller. Well, here's the thing. Let me just take a step back. Credit to the Bears for realizing this player is going to be a free agent after this season. And instead of losing him for nothing, let's go ahead and let's just ship him off for whatever. Yeah. Right. Ship him off for a fifth round pick or at least just some pocket change because that's really what they got in this. And so we're looking at this and look. If Anthony takes off in Houston, it's going to be because of Deshaun Watson. If he doesn't take off in Houston, it's probably going to be because Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills are throwing him the ball. But when you look at the Bears' offensive philosophy, I mean, it's really shifted over the last couple of years compared to four years ago because four years ago, what had happened is this, is when Anthony was coming in as a rookie, I mean, you knew he was going to be the slot receiver. And now all of a sudden, we look at the additions the Bears made at the wide receiver position this offseason. And again, last offseason too, because they added a, they've added a lot of speed these last two offseasons. And so for me, it just signals that Miller philosophically was never really a fit here in Chicago. And that's one of the major reasons that they shipped him out. And like I've said so many times on this podcast, the Bears are an organization. They either make a move too early a year too early or a year too late. And this is one of those cases where they didn't make a move a year too early. They didn't make one a year too late. They made it just at the right time. So you're going to continue to, so it's actually good because you have to be able to pick out the rotten apples in the bunch. I mean, you just have to be able to do that. And Anthony was probably the biggest rotten apple that there was as crazy or as messed up as that analogy might be, but that's ultimately what it is. But Speaking of the vision for the offense and what's going on philosophically here, I mean, Matt Nagy was talking at Hallis Hall today. He's just like, hey, you know, one area where Andy Dalton has excelled is anticipatory throws. And then you look at what the plan for Justin Fields is going to be. I mean, Matt Nagy basically alluded to, he's like, dude, if Justin comes in and lights it up, I'm not going to say that he's a direct, I'm not going to directly name him the starting quarterback, but that would be awesome, which means Matt Nagy's so fired up for Justin Fields that he has no idea what he's going to do if Justin does legitimately ball out, which is probably going to be starting. But then the Bears also made a couple signings today. They added a speedster and Justin Hardy. They brought in another blocking tight end in Jesse James. And really what this signals to me is that the offensive philosophy is going to be um, some like two tight end sets, per, two or three tight end sets with a lot of speed. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, I, I imagine Dalton's going to start week one. And I think what's tough is, is if Nagy had a bit more insurance about his job, and maybe he does, I imagine that Justin Fields wouldn't come in until ultimately at the best time. What I'm concerned about more is, is Fields going to start solely because Nagy is like, I need to save my job. And again, that's the one card that Nagy has in his sleeve this year is that he is able to go to the McCaskies and go to Ted Phillips and, and be like, hey, listen, I haven't tried this kid out. I don't know what he can do yet. I need at least another year to develop him like you can't fire me. And, and again, I don't know if there's a best case scenario here with Dalton playing well or Fields lights it up early. But again, to kind of your point, you look at the Bears roster right now and you look at kind of what their game plan is. You sign these wide receivers in Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin, Daz Newsome, you draft, you're bringing in speed. You want to open up this defense when you're playing in games. You're assuming that Allen Robinson's going to be Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney's going to take the next step, right? You bring in another, you know, another blocking tight end. You're hoping Komet is going to resume the role of tight end one. These are guys that can 
play well in the run game. You addressed the running back room. You brought in Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams. What is the, what is the message here? It seems like an offense that is going to be a lot more to tight end set, maybe a little bit more emphasis in the run game, because ultimately if Dalton is starting, you want to give as much pressure off of him as possible and allow the playmakers on the offense like Allen Robinson, like Darnell Mooney to thrive and let guys like Bird and Goodwin open up the defense. Now, if Justin Fields comes in, it's a different element on offense because now you have a guy with arguably better legs, arguably better athleticism, but not the IQ that Dalton has. You got to respect Dalton. He's a good, he's been a good quarterback in the NFL for a long time. He's a smart quarterback. Does he make mistakes that I ever guy? Yeah, of course. Is he what he once was when he was in Cincinnati getting to the playoffs? No, of course not. But Dalton to what kind of Nagy said, where he puts the ball in the right place. He's a smart quarterback. If he has enough time and he has enough protection, the offense is going to work the way that Nagy wants it to work. But if it's Justin Fields, it's a different offense, I think. So I don't know if the offense is going to change very much when an inevitable quarterback change happens. Cause let me tell you something, Justin Fields is going to play in 2021 one way or another, which kind of ultimately leaves me a bit confused because Nagy's always been so kind of anti running the ball until he kind of has to run the ball. And he's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be a different offense with Fields, but I think he is prepping for an Andy Dalton start. And let me tell you something. I think Andy Dalton's going to win some games for the Bears. I'll be completely honest. I think week one's going to be tough. But if the way the Bears are planning to run their offense is going to be around Andy Dalton, I think I think this is going to work in some sense. There's obviously a lot of key elements that have to hit. Offensive line cohesion, a solid running back game, actually giving uh, David Montgomery 20 runs a game. But ultimately, I do think that with Dalton, it's going to be a more run-heavy offense. I truly do believe that. See, David Montgomery getting the 20 carries a game is certainly interesting because I went back and actually did some research. When you look at Kareem Hunt in 2017 as a rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs, Kareem averaged, I think, 17 rushing attempts per game. So he effectively got 17 carries. And David Montgomery has kind of been in that ballpark over the last couple of years but i do think yeah he can get a solid 20 game it actually makes more sense for the bears to go ahead and to run the offense through david montgomery rather than through a guy like an Allen robinson for example and that's not me discounting what someone like Allen robinson can do but i think with a revamped offensive line you are trying to give defenses a lot of trouble but on the defensive side of the ball for the bears i mean I think Matt Nagy alluded to a lot of the turnovers right roquan smith alluded to this Jalen Johnson alluded to this throughout OTAs and minicamp too. Matt Nagy talked about how he wants to see an uptick in turnovers. And when you look at the defense under defensive coordinator Sean Desai, I think there's going to be a lot of 4-2-5 looks. It's going to be a nickel defense. Now you're going to have Jalen Johnson, and then you will ultimately have your front four with players like Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, who we'll get to in just a couple moments here. But and then Robert Quinn apparently is looking really good, but you have to wait and see with Robert Quinn. But what do you think the vision for the defense is going to be? Do you think it's going to be more and more aggressive? Not necessarily the 2018 defense, but better than the 2019 and 2020 defense. I hope – my only concern is Sean Desai doesn't have what Vic Vangio had and what Chuck Pagano had. I mean – you're looking at a secondary group that isn't as strong as last year. You're looking at an outside linebacker group that outside of Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack isn't very strong. 
obviously your interior defensive line should be solid with Eddie Goldman looking very healthy and very ready to play. Akeem Hicks will be back full strength. You got guys like Bilal Nichols and, you know, I'm trying to think Mario Edwards coming back. So that interior side of the ball should look good. I think Desai is very smart. I don't think he has the same weapons as Vic Vangio, but I do think he's going to try to play aggressive. I don't think we're going to see a Chuck Pagano defense. I just don't. I think honestly, this is going to be a more of a Vic Fangio vibe. Now, do I expect the Bears defense to take a step down? Probably. At the end of the day, this is a defense that was built to win a Super Bowl three years ago. You're not going to have longevity. I mean, Khalil Mack's on the wrong side of 30. Robert Quinn, we don't know what he's going to do. You have guys like Akeem Hicks who are getting old. There's a lot of older players on this team. Danny Trevathan. Like, There's not a lot of young pieces outside of guys like Bilal Nichols, who's a free agent next year. Roquan Smith, who's a free agent next year, and you hopefully, you know, you hope he's going to get extended soon, but we don't know. But ultimately, I think Desai's smart. I think he is going to bring elements of that Vangio defense. I think we're going to see an aggressive Bears defense. Do I think it's going to be as successful as 2018? Absolutely not, but that's fine. I want to see what Desai can bring from all the years that he's had kind of learning under Vangio and learning a little bit under Pagano, honestly. So, Yes, I do think this defense is going to be more aggressive. I don't expect it to be a top 10 unit, but middle of the pack is realistic to say. Again, there's some key elements that need to work. Is Jalen Johnson truly the cornerback one? Can this pass rush be successful with or without Robert Quinn? And what do guys like Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hooks look like in 2021? Because if all of those elements are somewhat consistent, this is a top 15 defense in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, Sean Desai alluded to this and he's basically like, hey, listen, we're not trying to, we want to be the best defense in 2018. But I ultimately also think this is that years like 2018, they're major exceptions because every single year there is one defense that seemingly seems to emerge. Now, when you look at the last two seasons, I mean, there's been defenses at the top of the league just because there have been defenses at the top of the league and someone has to be at the top, but there hasn't been necessarily anything super close to that 2018 Bears defense because that defense was a threat to win games as a unit by itself because they could totally flip the course of a game. But we, you have to be willing to temper your expectations because, again, this roster isn't the same roster that it was four years ago. They're not playing the same opponents that they were playing four years ago. I mean, look at four years ago in 2018. The Bears had one of the easiest schedules in the league. This year, they've got, I think, the third or fourth toughest schedule in the league in terms of strength of schedule. And then you look at the defensive philosophy. Sean Desai is definitely going to be more and more aggressive compared to a guy like a Chuck Pagano, for example. I mean, Ryan Pace joked about how Sean is basically a carbon copy of um, Vic Fangio. But then just looking at this whole thing, you know, Desai is, I think, going to crank the pass rush up, which, again, is then going to enable the rest of the secondary to have a little bit more breathing room. And one of the guys that's going to play a factor into the secondary, having a bit more breathing room is Eddie Goldman. Don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I listen, this was the off season story that I don't think bears fans needed to hear with the speculation of is Eddie Goldman retiring? Is he coming back? Is he in shape? I don't know much about social media editing in terms of pictures, but I can tell you one thing, those pictures from today on Twitter and Instagram, Eddie Goldman looks healthy. He looks strong. He looks ready to play. Uh, There's a great quote that Roquan Smith apparently lit up at the thought uh, when he heard that Eddie Goldman was back. He said that he was in Hallis Hall. 
Eddie Goldman is a key part of this defense and we missed him last year. And I truly think that he is the cog that fits into this. And like, you know, he's not going to be the guy who gets 20 sacks in a season or whatever, but he's the guy who's going to get into the trenches and allow guys like Khalil Mack and maybe even Robert Quinn to be more successful. You need those guys on your defense that do the dirty work that move the pieces and allow your play, your playmakers to be successful. And I just don't think the bears had that last year with Eddie Goldman gone. It gives Akeem Hicks a breath of relief. It gives Bilal Nichols a breath of relief. It increases your defensive line and allows you to kind of have some flexibility with what guys you play. It helps develop guys like Chris Tonga helps develop guys like uh, Bilal Nichols. Even At the end of the day, Eddie Goldman being back is a W it's a huge part for this defense. And it's a huge part for this offense, too. If the offense can go out there and score, it allows guys like Eddie, Eddie Goldman to relax, to recover, and to go back out there and do the exact same thing that he did earlier in the game, which is disrupt offensive lines, create chaos, let the playmakers make plays. He's the guy that we needed last year, and I'm glad he's back. Well, Eddie's going to be... Look, I have there's two sides of the story for me with Eddie Goldman. Now, the first side is okay, he's showing up, he's at Hollis Hall for training camp, like everyone said he's going to be, and he looks great. The other half of it is this, though, is that, and the Bears seemingly always do this, is that they just take their time with players that haven't played football in forever or players that are injured. I mean, look at the Trey Burton fiasco in 2019. We were basically told Trey gets offseason surgery and then misses all the training camp and then started like one or two games in 2019 before he was ultimately cut in the 2020 offseason. Now, the reason that I bring that up is because I think that what Chicago is going to do is this. They're going to look at Eddie Goldman. They're going to look at how he looks and maybe they decide, hey, you haven't played since basically week 17 in 2019. So it's been a year and a half since you've been on an actual football field. What we're going to do is we're just going to simply ease you back into action throughout training camp. And then I wonder, are they going to give Eddie Goldman additional reps in preseason just to kind of be able to give him an opportunity to get experience for what the rigors of an actual NFL game is like? Because yes, Eddie's going into year seven, technically because he was drafted in 2015. But also, like I said a moment ago, he has missed basically a year and a half worth of football at this point. And he opted out last year around this time. It's one of those scenarios where you have to pick and choose your battles and you have to pick and choose your poison. And maybe Eddie's also one of those guys that they just say, hey, we're going to ease you back into the action. And that means working with the second and third team at times. Yeah, I, I you know, it's actually funny. I, I didn't even really think about that necessarily, but I, I definitely could see him getting more preseason reps um, should his training camp progress be solid. I definitely think you don't want to try to rush him back into it too much, but you understand the value that he has on this defense. So at the same time, you do want him ready to go week one, especially against a pretty solid Rams offense. You need a guy like Eddie Goldman if you want any chance of making that game close. So I do believe like the increase in a preseason game could be there. And listen, at the end of the day, if you tell Eddie Goldman, hey, listen, you got to work with the twos this week. It's not like you're saying you're benched this week. It's just saying implying like, we want to transition you back slowly. We understand the value that you have to our team. We understand the value of when you weren't here last year. Like, I think a lot of times you'll, you know, you'll read the headline of, oh, Eddie Goldman working with the twos. And it's like, oh my gosh, Eddie Goldman's getting benched. Like, what the heck? Like, what was the point of him coming back? And it's like, no, 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 no. This is how sports work. When a guy hasn't played in a while, 
you ease him back into it. You have him work with the rotating and the, and the backups and you kind of slowly transition him because you don't want a potential injury or a re-injury in some cases or whatever the case is, is why he's coming back. In this case, he took a year off. So obviously we know he looks in shape, but is he actually in shape? We don't know. So I agree with that. I think easing him into training camp is the best. But I mean, what, there's three preseason games this year. I'd like to see him playing at least one, one and a half. I'd like to see what he looks like in enough of a preseason game where I'm like, yep, that's the Eddie Goldman I know. Because ultimately, if he's taking a step back, you have to reevaluate how you utilize him. Because again, I mentioned a couple minutes ago, he was the guy in the trenches, the run stopper, you know, the, the man who does the dirty work. But if he's not that player right now, you have to reevaluate your defensive line and say, okay, do we decrease his reps the start of the season because of how he played in the preseason? And again, the preseason is more for the guys who are trying to make the roster, but it's for your, your starters to kind of have a showcase of them, you know, playing together for the first time before it really matters. You can go 0-3 in the preseason. Who the heck cares? So I think ultimately there is a plan for Eddie Goldman. Do I think he should play more in the preseason? Yes, I agree with that 100%. Well, you're going to have to figure out a way to balance it out because there's a lot of competing factors. And the Bears kind of, I believe, just did this as insurance policy because they went out and they drafted Kyrus Tong and then you signed a veteran in Mike Pennell. And that nose tackle spot in this defense, I think, is more critical than, well, I don't even say I think, but I just know it's more critical than a lot of people are going to realize because when you have that defensive tackle that's taking on those double teams, what are you doing? in that scenario or what does that do for your defense you go ahead and you allow a guy like Akeem Hicks as a result of Eddie Goldman being double teamed now Akeem Hicks is one-on-one against a left tackle as I drop my pen right there and now it's on the floor so I'm just going to use my gel pen in my hands because I need to have something in my hands because I feel like I'm on ESPN only joking maybe one day but anyways what happened is this, is Eddie Goldman's taking on a double team. Now you have Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack one-on-one. Maybe you have Robert Quinn that's one-on-one. Then you have a player like a Roquan Smith that's able to drop back in coverage or just be a true off-ball sideline-to-sideline linebacker and shoot the gaps to make those big plays such as blowing up plays in the black backfield it gives you insurance policy because now your secondary also has breathing room because your pass rush is really cranked up. One major thing I want to know is Robert Quinn last year was a disappointment because of the injuries, but we also have to keep in mind is that the entire Bears defense in 2020 took a step back as a result of Eddie Goldman's absence. And I think Eddie Goldman is legitimately the key to unlocking this defense because he's back. He's taking on all those double teams. And then you are going to see additional opportunities created that everyone thought in March, April, May, June of 2020, we're going to be there as a result of Eddie being around. But then with Eddie opted out, they kind of lost all those additional opportunities that were going to be created to just get after the quarterback. So the bears weren't bad when it comes to getting after the quarterback last year, but they certainly weren't. They certainly were not at the top of the league either. Now with Eddie back, they can continue to get back towards being at the top. So really Goldman's the key to this defense. Well, and again, you have to also think like, it's not even about the playmakers too. Like think about guys who are going to develop better with Eddie Goldman back. A great name to bring up is Travis Gibson. A lot of people believe that he's going to get a lot more reps this year as they try to evaluate where Robert Quinn's at. 
You invested a pick and you traded up for him last year. You know what's going to help him out? A guy like Eddie Goldman. Think about another guy like Kendall Vilder or Jalen Johnson. Those are two young rookie cornerbacks. They benefit more from a successful pass rush because they don't have to worry about being in his coverage as long as they need to because you don't have a Kyle Fuller who's not going to get beat most of the time. You have a Jalen Johnson who has the potential and a Kendall Vilder, Desmond Trufant, whoever starts that you don't really know about. And I think, again, like when you have guys like Eddie Goldman, it starts there. He goes in, he creates some chaos. He creates some one-on-ones for guys like Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack gets to the quarterback like that in a second or a second and a half. Quarterback gets rushed and he maybe gets sacked or maybe gets out of the pocket. Now guys like Kendall Vilder, Jalen Johnson, and Travis Gibson have opportunities to make plays or have opportunities to be successful because they know guys like Eddie Goldman started the process on the plate. When you don't have a guy like Eddie Goldman, those guys might struggle a little bit. And listen, I'm not going to say that Eddie Goldman is going to make a guy like Jalen Johnson a star, but if I'm a if I'm an NFL cornerback and I see that I have Khalil Mack, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, on Roquan Smith, I feel pretty confident that hey, I need to guard this guy for three seconds at max because I can trust these guys to get to the quarterback and at least get him out of the pocket and make him make a bad decision or a bad throw, or they're going to sack him and I don't have to worry about it. That helps guys like that as well. And I don't think we talk about that as much because Eddie Goldman is again, just not a name where it's like, Oh, Eddie Goldman, he's a key player. He's very important because he's kind of a forgettable name when he opted out. But to your point, he is very, very important to this defense both for the playmakers and for the young players who might become long-term pieces of this defense for what will hopefully be a bears run in the playoffs with Justin Fields, because that's, what's important right now is who are decides guys for the future. And that, and that I hope Eddie Goldman's one of those things because he's so important to this defense. Right. And another look, I've consistently said this, no tackles, unless your name is Aaron Donald, you're not really going to get a lot of credit. And those tackles are the guys on the defense that do more work than they're probably paid for and recognized for. And that's what Eddie Goldman is. I, if Eddie comes back this year and plays at a high level, there's going to be no doubt in my mind that he is one of the premier defensive tackles in the game because there aren't necessarily a lot of them to go around. But look, everything and anything in life, I feel like needs to have a plan. There's a plan for how the Bears are going to bring back Eddie Goldman. There's a plan for how the Bears are going to develop Justin Fields. Now, Justin had some off-season homework, which basically was learn how to call plays into a huddle. And he was in Hawaii on vacation doing that. It's funny because I actually texted someone, and this specific person was in Hawaii and got to meet Justin Fields, which is pretty awesome. But then they also had a family member who did, who's a dentist that, like, did Danny Trevathan's kids, like, teeth yesterday or worked on them or something? So that's pretty cool. But anyway, that's besides the point, okay? Go to Lake Forest if you're going to get your teeth done so you can meet Bears players. No, I'm joking. Don't do that. But, look, what do you think the Bears – or Matt Nagy, per se, what do you think his plan is for Justin here? Oh, I don't know. And I say that because it depends on a lot of factors. How do the Bears start? If the Bears go two and two and three and one, is the plan pushed away versus if the Bears go one and three and oh and four? What if Andy Dalton's good? What if Andy Dalton sucks? What if if Andy Dalton, God forbid, I don't hope this doesn't happen, knock on wood, gets hurt, right? 
There's so many elements to the Justin Fields plan. I think the best case scenario, we don't see him for a while. And Andy Dalton is actually making this offense work because I don't feel the need to throw him out there. Do I want to see Justin Fields play 17 games next year? Of course I do, because I want to see what he can do. But I also understand, like, this isn't the year for the Bears. This is going to be kind of a evaluation year, in my opinion. Do I want to see the Bears win games next year? Of course. I'm a passionate Bears fan. I don't want to see a team go 0-17, and I don't think we're going to. But we got to go 17-0? and Absolutely not. So, ultimately, I think the best-case scenario is we don't see Fields for a while. But if Nagy starts feeling the pressure from team ownership, like, hey, you need to figure this out. And let me say one thing. It not is necessarily about how many games you're going to win. Now, obviously, if the Bears go like 4-13, and 13, you might move on from Nagy. But if the Bears' offense is solid and they're losing some a lot of games, you still might not throw fields in there until maybe like week seven against the Lions or later in the season after kind of the tough span of games the Bears have after that. I don't want to see him in week 17 because I, at that point, it's like that game's a throwaway game. It's a Patrick Mahomes 2.0, but that's what the Bears want. I think ultimately it's going to come down to how good was fields in training camp. How is Dalton playing? How is the offense as a whole playing? Because if the offense is going to suck like last year, get fields in there as quickly as possible. But if the offense is doing okay and the Bears aren't, you know, maybe the Bears aren't necessarily winning every game, but they're, in, you know, they're, they're averaging 20 to 25 points a game. What's the pressure of throwing him in unless Matt Nagy feels like his job's on the line? So I don't know if I can give you a concrete answer to this, but what I will say is I'm concerned he's going to get put into early, but I, I would ultimately like to see Fields play at some point in 2021, but I want it done the right way. I want it to be like, okay, we're six and seven. At this point, we're probably not going to make the playoffs. Let's put Fields in maybe week 13 or week 14 or something like that. Like, like I would like to see Fields play at least a few games this year, but maybe it's when we realize that there's no longer a playoff push, or maybe there is a playoff push and it's because of fields. I just don't want him to get thrown into the lions then. And I said, lions are week seven. I think they're week four. I messed that up. But regardless, I can't give you a concrete answer because again, I don't know what's going on in Nagy's head and what ownership is going to say. If the off, if, if the bears suck, he might get thrown in after two or three games, which would be cool. It'd be cool to watch Justin Fields for 13 weeks, but is that the right play? Probably not because you you might mess up his development, which I hope isn't the case. So I don't know. You said, I can't give you a concrete answer here because I don't know what's going on in the, in the background. What, what do you think? I'm curious what your thoughts are because I gave you like 18 options. Look, my whole thing is this, and I'm going to look directly into the camera and speak directly into the microphone. And I say this, if you are Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, you do not need to play Justin Fields just out of desperation. If you're Bears ownership, you have to understand that your franchise revolves around anything and everything that Justin Fields does, which means that you listen to the coaching staff in this matter and you do not fire the coaching staff, whether they are winning one game or whether they win 17 games do not get this desperate when it comes to Justin Fields that needs to be your plan you have to bring him along at a rate that is good enough for Justin and that is good enough for the Bears so if the Bears are coming out and winning a lot of games and it's because of Andy Dalton that's fine because that means that 
the Bears are seeing and doing things that are benefiting Justin Fields. Because at that point, Justin's learning how to be a winner. But if they start losing games because of Andy Dalton, then you take your foot off the gas and you say, let's go ahead and let's play Justin. And what we're going to do is this, is we are going to go ahead and we're going to kind of change change things up a bit, say, hey, you know what? Let's kind of cater to what Justin's really good at, which seemingly seems to be everything every time I go back and watch his tape at Ohio State. But one thing the Bears need to do is this in this plan of Matt Nagy's. You do have to use Justin Fields' mobility. Use his mobility as a major asset. Do not just sit on your hands and try to make him a traditional pocket passer cue because Justin Fields has the great he has the ability to be a great pocket quarterback. He's got great pocket presence, great escapability. You see the poise. You see the accuracy. You see the ability to lead with confidence. And he's an unquestioned leader, by the way. You see how calm he is. You see just the way that he handles and carries himself. He expects him to be great. So he's an ideal fit for a high-pressure situation like Chicago. But ultimately, if you're the Bears, you need to cater and adjust to what Justin does best in this specific plan in order to get endless and endless and endless returns, which are going to benefit your franchise for the next 15 to 20 seasons. But that's if you do things the right way in 2021. And if you want to see things that if you want to have a job in 2023, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you need to do things the right way here with Justin in 2021. That's what I think this entire plan comes down to. I think another thing too, is is if, if you're going to play Justin, you need to allow him to kind of have some freedom to try things. And that means make mistakes. I think one thing that Matt Nagy, you brought up the mobility thing. I think Matt Nagy took that away from Mitch for a while. And I think that was frustrating because Mitch was good on his legs. I think the thing is, is like allow fields to just be Justin Fields. Don't try to force him to be whoever the hell you want him to be. Pardon my language. Don't let him don't. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. Let him use his mobility. Let him use his strong arm. Let him use, he's a smart guy. He's a good quarterback. That's why you traded up for him. If he makes a mistake in his rookie season, every quarterback makes a mistake in the rookie season. Let him make those mistakes so that he can learn. Don't shield him because you're so concerned about his development. You wonder how you develop guys. You let them make mistakes. You let them try things, right? I want to see Fields play aggressive. I want to see him play confidently. You need to set him up for that. And I think in a part of a way, this offseason, the Bears kind of had. They've upgraded the offensive line. They've brought in some more receivers. They've upgraded the running back room. You know, I I do think a lot of this is going to fall on Nagy. You got to let your rookie quarterback, when he plays, because Bears fans, you're going to see Justin Fields in 2021 one way or another, and it's not just going to be in the preseason. Allow Justin Fields to try things, to make mistakes, to be Justin Fields. I don't need a Mitch Trubisky 2.0 because you're hindering what he can do. You know, he knows the playbook. You know, you know, he's a smart guy. Allow him to figure out what he can and can't do and learn from the mistakes and learn from the opportunities that he can create. Cause let me tell you something. If you can do that effectively, 2022, you are going to have a confident second year quarterback. And it's going to be about allowing part of this plan is also ensuring that Justin's confidence takes a hit, but that things are going well enough to the point where Justin's confidence is going up week by week. What you also have to keep in mind is this is Justin's going to be the biggest thing everyone's going to be watching for at Bears camp. 
just because anytime there is a rookie quarterback, all the cameras are going to be on the rookie, even though Zach Wilson's not at Jets camp. And the only reason being is because Zach hasn't even signed his rookie contract yet. But Sam, give me one thing you're watching for outside of the quarterbacks at Bears camp over the next couple of weeks. I want to keep an eye on the development of Tevin Jenkins. How does he respond to losing against guys like Khalil Mack? How much pressure does Elijah Wilkinson put on him? Because if there's a guy in this rookie class who has the most pressure to succeed early, it's Tevin Jenkins. It's not Justin Fields. Tevin Jenkins was brought in to be the left tackle of the future alongside Fields. Like those two are paired together. Fields, you can kind of keep safe behind Andy Dalton and, you know, you can let him develop. Jenkins, it's like you got to go and you got to go week one. Otherwise, like Elijah Wilkinson's fine, but he's not he's not great. I don't think he's better than Charles Leonard Jr., arguably. So I'm going to want to hear the reports. How is Tevin Jenkins doing? How is he responding when he loses one-on-ones? How is he adjusting to a role that he didn't play a lot in college? There's a lot of pressure on him, and I know he's going to make mistakes, and that's fine. But how does he bounce back from that? Because if Tevin Jenkins can be the guy that the Bears want him to be, and they are gambling on a rookie left tackle this year, remember that this is a gamble. This might not work out, but if it works out, you have a left tackle of the future pretty much as long as you have a quarterback of the future. So that is something I'm going to be keeping my eye on for sure, because I think Tevin Jenkins has the most pressure of any of the rookies in this draft class. Look, I like Tevin Jenkins. I think he is going to be a phenomenal prospect to watch as he develops, not just in 2021, but ultimately 2022 as well as 2023. And you always hope that the best case scenario is that every single player pans out. Jenkins, you're right. I Now that I think of it, he does have a lot of pressure on him for two reasons. One, because he is shifting from playing right tackle at Oklahoma State to now playing left tackle in the NFL. There's always going to be a learning curve for rookies, but for Jenkins, the learning curve is much bigger than a lot of people are willing to admit. And the second thing I want to keep in mind when it comes to Tevin Jenkins ultimately is that we're forgetting just five to six months ago, this was a guy that everyone thought was going to be a a top 20 draft pick. He slipped all the way to the second round to 39th overall when the Bears traded up for him. Now, what that signals to me is that there's something that these NFL scouts and executives saw that ultimately did not allow for Tevin Jenkins to be that top 20 pick. And I understand every single year there are going to be a handful of players that slide. But I think Jenkins is kind of a unique case because a lot of people did have him as a first-round pick. When you look at this offensive line in general, I'm actually watching for the entire unit in training camp because this is a unit that really has had no push over the last couple of years. They've just looked super soft. They Bears decided to overhaul the line this season. You have Jermaine Ifedi, who Juan Castillo has said has got God-given talent. He's a player that a lot of people hope can be good enough to be right tackle. And I actually think Jermaine's better at right tackle than he is at right guard outside of the one fumble that he had against the Detroit Lions. 
last season, which absolutely extended the Bears' six-game winning streak. You look at right guard, you have Cody White here there. You can play Sam Estefer at center. You're getting James Daniels back, who I think is going to be a great left guard. I think Sam Estefer has added about 10 pounds of muscle this offseason, and he's a much smarter player. And he's got some NFL film under his belt of how he did against actual NFL defenses. So that interior right there is going to be extremely beneficial for me. The quicker this Bears offensive line gels, the better, because what will happen then is this, is that I think the entire offensive line and just the entire offense will take off that front five gels because great football teams are built from the inside out. And for the Bears, they're finally realizing that, which is why they overhauled the offensive line. Now, let's just say Jenkins doesn't pan out. Alex Bars is going to be an intriguing name to watch. He can play three or four spots on the interior. Elijah Wilkinson... Nagy and Pace mentioned this directly today. Hey, we could have Elijah Wilkinson come in and play left tackle if that's the case. And then you also have a couple other guys like a fifth-round pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Larry Borum, who can play right guard and right tackle. So what I'm watching for is just how does this offensive line continue to progress? Because I've said this all offseason. I'm going to say it again. This offensive line's the X factor, and they are going to be the one unit they – doesn't necessarily make or break the Bears' 2021 season, but it's going to have a major impact. You also have to understand, like, Justin Fields could be the, the next coming of Jesus if his offensive line isn't good. He's not going to go anywhere. You saw it in the Super Bowl. Like, Patrick Mahomes struggled against a good Bucks pass rush because his offensive line wasn't able to give him enough time to operate and work. I mean, the poor man was throwing the ball like off of his shoulder while being tackled by three guys and he couldn't get anything going for him. So like that, that key part of the offense is the offensive line. There are some question marks, but I have confidence in guys like Whitehair. I have confidence in the return of James Daniels, which we're not talking about that return as much as we should be. James Daniels is a good offensive lineman. If he's back to full strength this year, he is a guy that is going to be very, very good, and I'm very excited to have him back because arguably when he got hurt and Rashad Coward had to come in, good Lord, the offensive line struggle. So I definitely think the offensive line is going to be a key part of Fields' success in both just this year and in the NFL in general because a good quarterback needs a solid offensive line even if they're the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, and other things to keep an eye on are – just throughout training camp, and I'll just briefly look at the list here. I mean, what are the Bears doing with Allen Robinson? Are they going to have him on the outside or are they going to move him all over the field? How does a player like second-year tight end Cole Komet, how does he look? What are the Bears going to do at the running back position? Because Tariq Cohen's on the physically unable to perform list. But hey, guess what? He's going to be ready to go in 2021. And then also... What are the Bears going to do with the running back spot? You know, David Montgomery's your workhorse running back. Is Damian Williams going to be your number two if Tariq Cohen's getting a majority of reps as a passer and as a receiver, not necessarily as a runner? What about that defensive line group? I mean, what are your rotations going to look like? After Goldman, Nichols, Hicks, is your first rotational guy going to be Mario Edwards Jr. or Angelo Blackson? How do Kyrus Tonga and Mike Pennell fit? And what about those edge rushers? You know, Khalil Max, the unquestioned starter, but is somebody like a Charles Snowden or, or a Travis Gibson, are they legitimately going to push Robert Quinn for playing time? At safety, you have Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson back. Is Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson, are those two players that are going to be able to provide quality depth 
look at the back end of the receiver. You know that Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird are guaranteed roster spots. What are Javon Wims along with Riley Ridley, those two Georgia guys going to do? Is this going to be a year where we finally see Riley Ridley get more reps than we're willing to admit? There's a lot of intriguing stuff to watch throughout training camp. Before we get out of here, though, something happened Monday that I'm not going to say I expected, but I didn't write off because Aaron Rodgers is back. But Sam, what was your reaction when you heard the news that Aaron Rodgers was back? Uh, well, it was fun. It was a fun offseason with the Aaron Rodgers drama. And unfortunately, it seems he will be back in 2021. But if that means if I can, if, if we have to do one more year of Aaron Rodgers, I tweeted about this Um if we have to do one more year of Aaron Rodgers and we get Justin Fields to take over the division for 15 years, fine by me. Because let me tell you something, Packers fans, you're not winning a Super Bowl in 2021, and I will put my name on that. If you win a Super Bowl in 2021, I'm not going to do anything. I'll just admit that I was wrong. But you're not winning a Super Bowl in 2021, and the Packers are all in. And let me tell you something, if you thought this offseason was good, wait till you see the next offseason when the Packers haven't won a Super Bowl and everything crumbles and falls apart, it will be beautiful. In fact, I actually just got added to a Twitter list. I was laughing about it earlier, and I was trying to keep myself composed. But uh, for those Bears fans who have had the pleasure of making the Twitter list, I made it onto the um, idiotic Bears fans list on Twitter. So if you want to go find some great Bears content, I'm on that Twitter list now. Shout out to that guy who added me on that. But listen, in all seriousness, the reality of the situation is that I don't think – you know, rather clearly this was about the money. Clearly this was about getting out of Green Bay at some point. If we have to suffer through Green Bay, having Aaron Rodgers dominate the season, fine. Because at the end of the day, he is going to be gone soon. And if Justin Fields can take that step, the Bears are going to own the NFC North for a very, very long time. It obviously sucks that he's back, but, you know, he's got a man bun. It doesn't look very good. I can say that much. He looks like a homeless guy. I know last week I said that I could certainly see Aaron Rodgers not coming back, but I also, man, disclaimer, I also didn't take it off the table because I knew something wasn't right here. And I felt like for Aaron, knowing that there was going to be one last ride in Green Bay, we have to keep in mind his beef is with the way things are run. It's not necessarily with the fans. It's with the way it's it's with the leadership, basically. Ultimately, that signaled to me that he caved in once to give the fans and enjoy the fans one more time before he was in a situation where he's gonna pick where he gets to play next offseason. We look at that contract. Last thing I'm gonna add before we get out of here, because we're not gonna talk too much Aaron Rodgers until the Bears play the Packers. When you look at the way that contract was structured, I think that the biggest sweetener in the deal for Aaron Rodgers was just the fact that it's basically a one-year deal is what it is. And he's going to get to pick where he plays next offseason, which means that he'll be whatever, a free agent or get traded next offseason, and he'll get to go wherever he wants to. So he could very well sign with like a Super Bowl contender, for example. Those are the major things that I think really sweeten the deal for Aaron yeah, I think it's going to be a Tom Brady 2.0 next year. I think he's going to go sign with like a, a Denver Broncos or another team that's a quarterback away, maybe Miami. I, again, we brought these teams up last week. Bears fans, I think just be prepared for the Packers to be good again, but they're not winning the Super Bowl. And it's going to be very, very fun in 2022 when Justin Fields is starting to become the guy. 
and the Green Bay Packers organization is falling apart and it will be very, very sweet to watch. But hang tight. It's going to probably be another year of the Packers being the best team in the NFC North. But who knows? Maybe the Bears will surprise him. Maybe if Justin Fields is in for that second matchup, maybe he can beat out that old Aaron Rodgers man bun looking dude. But um, for now, we're stuck with him for at least another year and we'll see what happens. Honestly, it, it could go could go either way. The Packers could take a step back. They could take a step forward, but we know Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to make those plays. He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and it's for a lot of good reasons, but he might be gone, gone next year. And that's fine with me, but who knows? You know, we all thought he might've been gone this year and here he is back on a weird new deal that I still don't really totally understand. And all I'm saying is maybe it's, you know, it's the last year. I think the Packers are going to dominate the division. I think the bears are going to be on top very, very soon. Yeah, and if anything, Aaron Rodgers being back just makes me want to tune into the 2021 season even more because I'm telling you guys right now, this is going to be like MJ's Bulls finally getting past the Detroit Pistons for all of our older fans that watched the NBA throughout the 80s and 90s. This is what this is going to be like, I totally promise you, because I think the Bears this year with Justin at the helm are destined to knock off the quote-unquote kings of the nfc but hey listen that's gonna do it for us this week aaron Rodgers is back this year we're gonna be back next week look guys before we get out of here you can check out sam on twitter at shy sports sam read his work on the bear report check out his work on bear goggles on you can follow me on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at usaid cold show it's just bears content all across the board check out my work on empire sports media along with the bear report follow the podcast guys on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at fireside bears check out audacia sports one of our sponsors Good morning, good evening, and good night. The 2021 season is officially underway, so it's going to be a fun one, guys. Bear down. We're going to catch you next week. Bear down.